1: Hello and welcome to this episode of the e-commerce master plan podcast. I'm Chloe, the creator and the host of this award-winning show. And it's my aim every episode to help you find ways to improve your e-commerce business. So thank you for tuning in. And I would of course love to know how the show helps you. And you can let me know about that via social media by using the hashtag #ecommasterplan. master plan. In today's episode, we're talking to someone who has experienced Sales uplifts and overall sales falls across their two brands. Um, we're getting quite candid about how to deal with it when your sales have dropped off. Uh, we talk about the joys of bootstrapping. We talk about tech stack. We talk, what else do we talk about? We talk about what to do with your media spend, um, analyzing, how to cope, how to manage this. Lots and lots of great thoughts, uh, ideas, and insights coming up. My guest is really nice and candid about the experience they've been going through. So you are going to learn a lot here. And if whether your sales have gone up or whether your sales uh, have gone down recently, this is, is a really useful episode for all of you. Before we get into that though, please do check out the sponsors. Create your free account. That's KLAVIYO.com slash masterplan. Klavu is the leading end to end discovery platform for e commerce businesses, enabling merchants to deliver personalised and intelligent search and navigation experiences for their shoppers. Klavu's machine learning algorithm and rich NLP takes search queries beyond keyword based matching, delivering exactly what shoppers want and more. Regardless of the platform, Klavu provides a seamless integration process for all retailers. Try it out for free at klavu.com forward slash schedule a demo. That's K-L-E-V-U dot com forward slash schedule dash A dash demo. And now to introduce today's special guest. Ian Leslie is the CMO at US Homewares Brands, Industry West and Favor. It all started with Industry West in 2010 and then Favor launched in 2019. Now, the two sites typically grow at 25% per year with sales over $10 million a year. Hello, Ian.
2: Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me.
1: It's great to have you here. Um, how, did, how did you get involved in e-commerce in the first place?
2: Yeah. um, So I actually was a journalist out of school um, and uh, worked for about five years as a journalist. And then as print started to die and, you know, some different social media platforms started to grow and and just web in general started to grow. I uh, started to work in economic development as a jack of all marketing guy, you know, and um, when you're head of marketing in a small group, you do everything from, you know, the Squarespace site to the social media to everything. And uh, which took me to work in higher ed, where I was leading um, lead generation and demand gen in higher ed recruitment uh, here in the States, in a university in Georgia, and finally ended up in e-commerce where I took a lot of those lead gen, uh, demand gen skills over to e-com and and worked with Industry West, which was founded by a couple of good friends of mine.
1: So having myself worked a little bit in lead gen, uh, as well as a lot in e-commerce, I found the first time I encountered as a marketer, the first time I got to see e-commerce stats, I got incredibly overexcited about the richness of the data. The, you know, it's not just, oh, they converted. The second they converted, you get an idea of the quality. Did you have a similar kind of aha moment?
2: Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's great. I've never really thought of that. It's, um, because when you're just dealing in lead gen, demand gen, or, or lead gen, you're, you're not seeing the entire funnel. Uh, a lot of the time, and then you then you get into the, a lot of the conversation of uh, marketing versus sales, and a lot of those arguments, right? Um, and for me in higher ed, it was marketing or, or versus admission. So like I was bringing in all these uh, high school students who were raising their hands saying they wanted to learn more about the university, and then you know if they died on the vine in admission, I'm you know pointing my finger at admission, admissions pointing their finger at me saying that they're not good prospects, you know. And which is, you know, is typical on the sales side. But when you deal with e-commerce, you get to see the full funnel and you get to see um, that prospect lead come in the top and and exit the bottom or not and figure out, you know, how did they, why did they exit? And what did you do well? Or or what are you not doing well? And yeah, yeah. I mean, you become, um, you become become addicted with the numbers and you become, you know, I think um, even my kids, you know, they've become accustomed to uh looking at you know the live view of google analytics to see how many people are <laughs> on the site and how many people are on the cart page and all that and, you know you just become um, become pretty addicted to it it's yeah it's it's fun
1: ah cool you're, a, you're same as me then think there's, there, there's any going back personally um too too many stats too many good stats well look um in you and and the guys at, at industry west and at favor you were in a you've had a pretty unique experience of the pandemic hitting and affecting sales because one of the brands went up and the sales on the other one kind of sank. Can you tell mm-hmm. us a bit more about that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know that I would say sank for Industry West, but, <laughs> okay, but changed. Okay. Change, definitely changed. Mm. Um, you know, so we're, we're dealing with two very different verticals under one Uh, umbrella of an organization. So Industry West, you know, obviously we're dealing in sofas, tables, chairs, um, lighting, and mostly to the trade. About 70% of our customers are are to the trade. And and when I say the trade, um, you know, I'm talking about whether it's a mom and pop uh, pub or a cafe or pizza shop that, um, you know, is buying, you know, Twenty thirty stools, or whether it's, um, internal or external procurement for say a Google or a Facebook or an Airbnb, or gosh, I mean, we've done New York stadium, uh, like a, a dining hall near uh, Yankee stadium. We've done, um, a number of sports facilities here in the States. We've done, you know, really tons of, um, tons of office space for, for SaaS companies that I'm sure you're aware, you're familiar with like YATPO. Um, And uh, we've done like SeatGeek. Uh, Geek, so so that's what I talk about when I talk about to the trade. So um, what we've seen is, um, and, and in favor, of course, you're dealing with more home decor, more um, you know direct, much more direct to consumer, um, and the AOVs uh, are obviously shifting with that. So it, it, with with Industry West, you're dealing with an AOV that's typically um, a monthly house payment, if not more, whereas um, you know. Favor your dealing AOVs in the 100 and 150. So, amidst like what's happening with COVID and the pandemic, I mean, I think we've seen obviously the trade uh, back off, and we're seeing much more direct to consumer with with industry West, which is lowering our AOVs, and actually our cost per acquisition has gone down, um, our transactions have gone up, but our AOVs gone down. So it's you know finding that balance of putting more and more ad dollars into. Uh, lower AOVs. Um, now, with favor, we definitely struck a chord uh, and saw like incredibly exponential growth. Uh, it, you know, in that April May time period, um, and outpaced um, Cyber Week uh, by nearly 180 percent. Wow! Um, so uh, it's uh, it's been it's been interesting. Uh, for Industry West, I mean, I think, um, again, since dealing so much with the trade and the trade is a little bit of an old fashioned vertical uh, in that, you know, they'll browse your site and even create carts on your site with their discounts, but we'll still screenshot it and send it to a rep um, and uh, to, you know, to complete the checkout. And um, I think we're, we've just seen, you know, the trade, you um, just those sales, those sales orders, those purchases just slow down because people are so unsure if people are gonna go back into offices or if restaurants are going to open and and just so we've seen we've actually seen web pick up quite a bit on both sites. Um web picking up on favor where it's always web has been great and shown overall growth. Web picking up on favor, but the rest of the the sales not keeping pace is where, you know, where we've seen, you know, the drop off.
1: So it's it's been as I said uh, said in the beginning you're in a quite that unique situation because there's a lot of our listeners who've experienced big uplifts and you know dealt with all the challenges of that with the you know the back end systems getting stock and all the rest of it and you know, the decision of what to do about the marketing uh, and then you've got a lot of people who are on the scenario where you know sales have just fallen through the floor and there's not many. who get to experience, obviously not falling through the floor in your case with Industry West, but who've seen both the ups and the downs. And you mentioned about um, within the stats there, and I think this, this is one of the things which makes it so difficult, is that even if sales have gone up, often the AOVs have gone down. And then because of demand in the in the marketing space, the cost of acquisition completely changes. So you're having to completely redo your models on what you can even afford as a cost per acquisition because of the AOV mix and the customer mix. That's what I would have found found with a couple of businesses. Did you did you find that you were having to make different marketing decisions to what to what to your normal?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, the, the easy answer is yes. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I'll add a, another level of complexity there is that, um, I mean, we didn't get into a little bit of the history of our company, but um, I mean, we are entirely bootstrapped. You know, we don't have, uh, we're not a venture backed um, company. So it's not like we have a runway to burn to get through this and be able to, you know, sustain months and weeks or weeks and months of of lower AOV um, orders and just make up the difference with with burning cash. Um, so I'm mean, going to think for us, it's okay. Um, typically, I'm looking at you know, I'm looking at some of our best return on ad spend. And I don't know if you're, you know, I I use the term ROAS. I don't know if that's, you know, uh, everyone is the term everyone's familiar with.
1: We can use ROAS. So ROAS is the return on advertising spend, which is one of the, it's a profit, it's a cost per acquisition method, which takes into account the AOV, which makes it very useful when you've got very different AOVs going on in a business. Right, right. So yeah.
2: Clown. So, so yes. I mean, I think I'm looking at Roas that was that's at an all-time high for um, for web, um, but is definitely like a, a top ten for us overall. But is not breaching um, that that top three for us overall when you take into account um, rep sales, etc., or brick-and-mortar that was now shuttered for us so it's like i can keep, and and when and web is great and web is going to help us pay salary and help us pay our overhead and pay our rent and everything but web's not going to get us into that profitability mode so it's like is spending had I kept spending, um, there would have been a point of diminishing returns. Um, and I have to, especially as, as everyone's running a lot of sales right now, whether it's free shipping or, you know, 20% off plus free shipping or whatever it is, and that's cutting into your margins. So, I mean, it's, it's really critical that, um, I mean, I think we look at the numbers. Um, I mean, I look at ROAS numbers daily. I look at overall numbers weekly, and then we look at budget numbers monthly and, you know, you know, taking like Memorial day did great, but it was at the cost of 20% free shipping. So at the end of the month, like what's our bottom line margin look like? And, you know, are we comfortable mo- moving forward with, with those smaller margins? Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a balancing act. It's certainly a balancing act. And one, um, <laughs> to be frank, um, I'm probably uh, only 80% equipped equipped to, um, to walk the tightrope in terms of my brain power, um, which is why I definitely need to call on, uh Others to help me within our organization,
1: and you mentioned there that that you know you look at certain things on a certain frequencies. Have you found that frequency of review has accelerated because things are changing so quickly?
2: Uh, yeah, yes, certainly. I mean, I think particularly, I mean, at the most basic level, um, I mean, cash flow. Um, I think you know how are we um, just daily, if not if not more so, um, just just what's the cash flow? How much do we spend to generate that cash? Um, where, where are we overall? I mean, and I looked at all of it. I mean, the data is so, um, there's so much data and the reporting that we have is, is really pretty, pretty great. Um, in terms of like just whether it's automated emails generated out of our ERP or whether it's, you know, I mean, I'm getting a ping every time someone makes a purchase. So I really know every, everything that's going on all the time, um, becomes a little bit obsessive compulsive, but, um, you know, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think you, you, especially now you, you have to, and you can't, um, whereas in, uh, a year ago, if we had one slow day, two slow days, even three slow days in a row, you get a little concern and you say, Hey, what's going on? And you check with your digital marketing team, you know, your, your media buys and how is that? What, what are you seeing here? What are you seeing there? And I mean, now it's like, Hey, we had a slow morning. Like, <laughs> what, what are you <laughs> seeing? Uh, what are you seeing on the media spend side? Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: And you mentioned you mentioned media spend a couple of times there. And and you mentioned that because you have the physical store that's whilst it's closed, you're still having to pay for it. And you've obviously got the the infrastructure of the sales team who deal with those trade customers, it's crucial that the the web is is there and is keeping you in business and keeping things ticking over. But that obviously because of that scenario, you're minimizing all cost you can, and that hence the media spend has gone down. Was it an easy decision to cut the media spend or were there, there, you know, have you literally just, just gone, we're just cutting, you know, half of everything or was it more a case of let's be clever about what we cut?
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's be clever. I think it's also, um, I mean, I think we start at the top, right? So we start at like our media spend is basically, we look at our media spend to be a percentage of top line. Um, and so, okay. This is what we were projecting toward. Um, it's not going to happen. We've already seen in the first two weeks that uh, uh, during you know pandemic or whatever that we're, we're definitely taking a cut. So we're going to have to back off accordingly. Let's back off X percent and see um, see where we land. And and so I mean we're definitely strategic um, and and kind of base it around like our new estimated estimated top line is um, is let's say down 20%. Uh, So we we need to adjust spend accordingly. Uh, I mean, I'll be frank though, like seeing what we did in May and the success of web, um, I mean, again, I need to look at the final numbers and see where we are at the bottom line. But I mean, I do have a little bit of remorse of of, um, not spending enough. Um, Perhaps I was too conservative. I think people do, I do get accused of maybe being a little bit too conservative on the media spend side. Um, And... um, and and i don't know if that's maybe this is like it needs to be a counseling session i don't know if like, I like cuz i don't i don't trust myself enough um i don't trust the numbers enough i don't trust that like the trends enough like i feel like it, i i i dabble in like day trading a lot and i'm like it's like you know at any moment i feel like it could all go all go south you know like the trends tell me that we're doing 8x ROAs over 6 weeks and i should i should trust that but i don't
1: i find that that um Yeah, because I've been talking to to a few people on the podcast about this. I've been talking to a few people we've had on the podcast who we didn't talk about this whilst we were recording, Um, and you know I've been talking to some some others as well. And I think you know the the thing about ad spend when it comes to your Google ads and your Facebook ads and your Instagram ads is once that money's spent, you can't get it back. So I think in times like these, I think the better thing is to be is to be cautious about that spend. Because you can easily spend in a day what would be someone's salary for half a month. And it's like, that's an error which could... So, I I think it's right to be cautious. I don't think you should beat yourself up about it at all. But I find that there's... um, One of the interesting things I think about the US versus... I'm imagining here. I have no stats to back this up. So, Ian, feel free to tell me if I'm Talking
2: absolute. Those are my favorite kinds of stats. Yeah, cool. Okay. We'll, we'll roll with this. The ones that we can't back up. I have yeah. no
1: data for this at all. But in the UK, whilst we have slightly different things going on within Wales and Northern Ireland and Scotland, we're basically, the whole country is basically taking the same approach to lockdown and release of lockdown and financial support. Whereas in the US, you've essentially got 52 separate countries. Taking different approaches to lockdown in different places, and and the the medicine of it, or you know the the science of it, all actually hitting in different ways, which I think must, which I guess must make. I mean, it's, it's hard. What I'm trying to say is, it's hard enough in the UK where everyone's basically having the same. Well, all the consumers are basically having the same experience compared to what it must be in the US, where you've got one state doing this and another state
2: mm.
1: doing that. Yeah, is a whole other ball game.
2: I mean, I think for us, it was early on that was the case um, when it was unclear how each state was going to react and, and whether, you know, how um, shipping was going to react and whether people were going to be able to receive. And we were really going on a state by state kind of, um, yeah, going go on a state by state procedure. Um, and that was um, that, that was tricky. Um I mean, I think now a little less so as things are opening up and everything is a, a little bit more, And we've seen, you know, weeks, months of, yeah, we're, people are able to receive their stuff pretty much without issue. Um, again, more so on the residential side. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I think it's been tricky. I think what makes it a little bit easier for us is that uh, we really target um, some some major metro areas so it's you know it it makes it a little easier in dealing with with um with furniture as opposed to t-shirts is like you you can be pretty buckshot with your approach when you're dealing with a $25 $20 t-shirt right like anyone in anyone in any of those 52 countries as you mentioned is can probably uh, um purchase one of those t-shirts when you're dealing with you know $5,000 sofas I mean you're looking you really need to target your demo a little bit more particularly and more so in the geo right I mean, I think it's more so, um, it's, it's you know, more capital areas, more um, um, urban areas, um, you know.
1: So you're already doing quite a lot of geographic targeting. Exactly.
2: More city centers, you know, and uh, less Poughkeepsie, New York, as I kind of mentioned. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think that. So I think our targeting has already kind of been there. But yeah, I think it's, uh, but I think that, yeah, you make a great point. I mean, there's so many, um, so many different Components of this that just make it so complex.
1: Yeah, you almost have to like wait and see what the stats look like each week, and then because because trying to guess what the consumers are about to do is is I've I've found nigh on impossible. Great. So on the the kind of the flip side of the marketing, we know you've you've reduced the media spend and cut back a lot in those areas. But what i found with some other retailers is that whether sales have been going up or sales have been going down, they still have marketing resource, human beings, and budget to spend, and they've ended up putting that budget into areas they possibly wouldn't have done. So, for example, I know of companies who have seen big Uplifts, but haven't got the stock to supply it. So they've cut back spend, you know, the, the hard and fast stuff that works all the time. But instead, so they're redeploying their resource into social media and SEO and those softer things. So they've got it ready to pay back in the long term. Have you found, has that been something you've been doing whilst you've been cutting back on the spend?
2: Yeah, that's um, that's a great question. I um, mean, I think, hmm. I think there are some aspects where we've put, um, efforts into while cutting back on the spend to, to, your point. I, I say, f- for instance, one is how, um, how Google has opened up, uh, shopping to everyone it has really required us to focus a lot of man hours on to, um, optimizing products for PLAs, uh, or it's not, not so much PLAs now just feeds, uh, you know, the shopping feed. So, you know, doing SEO specific to, um, the shopping feed. Um, you know, we've tried to do more with just general organic content, so more blogs, more content marketing in that regard, more kind of um, storytelling, which I think has been important. Um, even to the extent of you know going out to our customer base and asking them to provide us with their you know work from home COVID stories, and we we put up a blog sharing some of those. Um, so I mean, I think focusing more on that end. Um, you know, again, for us, it's like when you when, when we have to look at cutting, we have to look at cutting across the board. And I kind of keep going back to a common theme for me. And a lot of the talks I do is is just the, the, the pros and the cons of, of being part of a bootstrapped company. Um, so it's not like I can say, okay, I, but I can take this money and pour into dev and work on all these projects I've been wanting to work on, you know, while I wait out the economy um, because it's all really tied together. I mean, we have... Taken on one project um, that uh, we will work toward that that will kind of benefit uh, benefit us through this and through post economy or, or post COVID. Um, so we did run a warehouse uh, a warehouse sale uh, that went incredibly well. we were running it off of a site that wasn't part of our current infrastructure. And so it, it kind of went too well and it, it broke that <laughs> it broke that site. So we're looking to so we turned it off and we're um we're uh gonna incorporate it into our, our uh current tech stack uh, with industry west in favor, which run on the same code base. Um
1: so does that mean um mean that you've because you've got stock that you know you're not gonna shift in the world of industry west, you've done a discount but not via your own site, so you're not damaging your own brand. We're well, trying not
2: to damage. Damage the brand correct um okay. and um i mean for us it came out of the point as like this move the stock wasn't moving and and we're we needed i mean we didn't need but i mean it was there was a cash crunch to an extent i think everyone's feeling the cash crunch and so let's you know um work on what's not the first time we've done a warehouse sale site but or sell, but it was a good time to do it um and then it's something like okay well this works um how do we make it more uh, sustainable uh in a fashion that's not gonna you know crash (laughs) so um so that's a project we're working on i mean there, there are other projects that i think um that you know we've had to pull back on um some some personalization um that we couldn't take on right now um that we were working toward um some uh uh, redoing our checkout and uh, maybe even you know moving to some different uh including adding some different processing kind of tools like apple pay and so and so forth um that we weren't able to take on right right now as we had planned but i mean we'll, we'll get to it and and things you know i think you know it's just uh reassessing and and kind of, there's always that priority stack, um, you know, and uh, I think you just got to, got to figure out what the stack is.
1: I was ch- chatting to someone about, um, kind of about the priority stack. They're talking about putting together their Q4 marketing plan. And um, I kind of issued the warning of don't do it like you normally would, because you're going to be reviewing it like at least once a week. <laughs> you know, there's no point in creating the full on perfect marketing plan for Q4 because Think, think. Even you know, even in Q4, things are gonna keep changing, and you've got to be ready to adapt. So, is that you know, you said about your your priority list? Is that something you're reviewing on a regular basis? In terms of, is it's not like sit down at the start of Q2 and go, this is what we're working on. It's more of a each month. What's the next? What's the best possible next project?
2: Yeah, no, it's it's each week. I mean, it's it's you know, I guess on the, whether it's on the marketing side, whether I mean, you know, you know dev. RSI systems integration team falls under me as well. Um, I mean, I, I as CMO of a clicks to bricks or however you want to call it company, uh, D2C, B2B, we're, we're kind of everything, you know, everything from dev to earned, own, paid to, you know, um, you know outreach to, uh, you know, content marketing all falls under me. So, I mean, I think, you know, on let's just take the dev side. I mean, it's really week to week. Um, so during this downturn, it was a good opportunity. We had been working toward implementing an eCRM, um, and it was a good opportunity for us to launch that. There were some things that we required of our dev team. So, I mean, I kind of paused, you know, some other stuff they were working on to, to ramp up that up and to get those, you know, uh, website leads into um, into the CRM working properly. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's really week to week. Um And, um, I mean, I think, you know, I guess one thing I would say is that though, I think at least here in the States, um, I think Q4 plans have to happen in Q3. I mean, in terms of looking for that big, um, retail push in Q4, like I've read a lot of stuff about this and and, and I was kind of on this thought path myself was that, I mean, I I think it's going to happen more in Q3 than it's going to happen in Q4. I think Q4 is going to be particularly slow.
1: Interesting. And um I am gonna have to think about that more before I can't really <laughs> at all on that one. So so audience, uh, we will yeah. on another show we'll come back to that idea. Yeah. Um but one of the things which which is it struck me as we've been chatting is that being a bootstrapped company, so you haven't take you haven't got uh, you know, owners and shareholders and all that who are put in You know, VCs maybe who put in loads of money and who are there going, come on, you got to deliver. You know, the fact that the business has grown organically, that must make this considerably easier, both in terms of the culture and the skill set of the people you've got, but also the fact you haven't got someone baying, you know, breathing down your necks going, deliver, 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 or we're having our cash back.
2: Yeah. I mean, we joke around our, 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 our board, our share, our shareholders, our, our bosses, our, our kids, <laughs> are the, ki- are the kids of the, of the, of the C-level. Um, but no, I mean, I think, um, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword. Um, I think it's, yes, you you, you ha- get to have conversations every day with the people who make the decisions. So, I mean, my, my CEO, the co-founder Jordan, um, you know, went on the fact that, I mean, we're, we're, we're great friends. Like uh, we, we met prior to Industry West um, and, and I've been aware of the company forever and, and um, just been part of it for five, six years now. Um, so I mean, I guess having that day-to-day consultation, us, us being on the same page, us understanding the give and take of, of, of what's required and what we can afford and all that, um, you know, it's, it makes my life a lot easier uh, and, and not having to deal with a board that, is wondering why you know um, we're not making money and why we're not also doing you know all this cool development stuff and bells and whistles and what are you doing over there? Um, so I mean I think it makes my life a lot easier. I think you know the the other side of the sword is that like again you just don't have the money to play with um, and you don't have the money to kind of to add all the bells and whistles and do all the things that you know maybe some other companies are are doing pre this and, and now during this. Um, I, I think you know what you do get is you get a company that's incredibly invested uh, from every every employee. Um, you get um, a company that is full of people who are, are grinders, who are our startup in nature, who understand um, what the company is going through, take what the company is going through to heart, um, want to see it succeed, um, and appreciate um, appreciate how much the the director level or the C level cares about, about everybody, uh, that that's impacted by this and it, and it leads to some tough conversations and it leads to, um, you know, some tears at times, but, um, it, it, at the end of the day, um, it makes you stronger for it. And, uh, yeah, but I mean, I think, um, I think it's a great team and I think it's, um, if, if I had to, Choose, you know, be part of uh, a bootstrap company that really has to, to look at every penny spent and look at every dollar and make sure every dollar spent returns eight, or be with a company where, you know, you're sitting back and burning through millions of cash and, and having to, you know, just not understanding your budget, not understanding where, what money is coming in, going out, and just hopefully just kind of your tactic is crossing your fingers and, and praying that this ends sooner than later. Like I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be where I am. I'm gonna to want to, you know, take the bull by the horns and, and try and exert some uh, understanding of the situation, and and hopefully be able to pivot and and make it work.
0: E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are.
1: It's safe to say that most of us have been doing more shopping online lately. And if you're an e-commerce brand, that means you might be seeing more first-time customers. But once they've made that first purchase, how do you keep them coming back? Well, that's what Klaviyo is for. Klaviyo is the ultimate email and SMS marketing platform for e-commerce brands. It gives you the tools to build your contact list, send memorable emails, automate key messages and more way, way more. Whether you're launching a new business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo can help you get growing faster, and it's free to get started. Visit klaviyo.com masterplan to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot masterplan. Klaviyo is the leading end-to-end discovery platform for e-commerce businesses, enabling merchants to deliver personalised and intelligent search and navigation experiences for their shoppers. Klavu's machine learning algorithm and rich NLP take search queries beyond keyword-based matching, delivering exactly what shoppers want and more. Regardless of the platform, Klavu provides a seamless integration process for all retailers. Try it out for free at klavu.com forward slash schedule a demo. That's K-L-E-V-U dot com forward slash schedule dash A dash demo.
0: It's time for the top tips
2: round.
1: Okay. I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So, Ian, you ready for these top tips?
2: I am. Let's go.
1: Marvellous. Okay. The book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend?
2: So, um, this is a tough one because a lot of my books are... uh, Well, actually, right now I'm reading um, the latest, The Hunger Games Prequel, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, There's a Hunger Games Prequel. But yes, it just came out like two weeks ago. I'm almost done. Oh,
1: that's my that's my Friday gone. <laughs> yeah, there
2: you go. I read um, I read
1: the three Hunger Games books, um, yeah. each of them in a 24 hour period. So yeah. that's 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 Friday just done for. But anyway, there you go. Well, a what, what, what business book.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, it's not so much business; it's more sports. But I think there are business elements that um, can be taken from it. Is um, the victory machine? which is about the uh, Golden State Warriors and their, you know, uh, five-year run here in the States in the NBA. And um, I mean, a lot of it, a fair amount of it gets into like analytics and sabermetrics, which is, you know, a hot topic um, for sports teams in the States. Um, and, you know, in baseball, it, there's the Moneyball, Brad Pitt, Moneyball, that movie. And this is like the NBA version of that. and I mean, And then there's also a lot of just like culture stuff that I think like, you know, how, Team culture can can kind of uh, be used on the on the business setting, but for me, what I really took away from that, and, and I kind of moved to my to my team, was um, kind of the NBA got from um, where it used to be all about seven foot going through the seven foot center, right? Like the the basket is at X feet high, and if you have a seven, you're if you're you have height, you're that much closer to the basket, and everything runs through seven foot center. And then with the Warriors. It became all about sabermetrics and, and analytics in terms of the most valuable shots are the three-pointers and the free throws, which are worth worth one point. And I kind of took to my team like, okay, what are our three-pointers and what are our w- one-pointers? Um, and, you know, how do we just kind of push those uh, constantly? And yeah, we'll get some mid-range jumpers in there with like a sofa or a table or whatever, but like what are the three-pointers, what are the highest value shots for us? And that's something I've really kind of, Pushed on my team uh, in terms of thinking about, but then then there's a lot of great just kind of teamwork and culture building conversation in that book as well. Um, so yeah, I'd say the victory machine.
1: Nice. Okay. The traffic top tip. Which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves?
2: Hmm. Um, I still think email is worthwhile. Um, you know, even though so I'd say maybe the email doesn't get the the credit it deserves. Um, I think within a core group, um, and segmented properly, um, email is important. I mean, for us, I mean, I think, you know, here's, I think something that may be surprising is we've divested from Google a lot. We don't run as on Google nearly as much as we did a year ago. Um, and we've really kind of pushed more into the Instagram, Facebook space, Pinterest. Um, so, I mean, I think for us it's, um, social spend has been important and, um, uh, but yeah, I, I Think uh, in terms of what's not appreciated. I think uh, I think um, email is is underappreciated. Gets a bad rap.
1: I'm in your I'm in your camp for that one. Uh, okay, the tool top tip. Maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plug, in a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to
2: day? Yeah, so um, this is probably like a no-brainer, easy one. But Slack, uh, we're big on Slack. I. I don't know how we lived before slack um but slack is important um but i guess maybe one that's a little less well known is um so we use nosto n-o-s-t-o nosto is a personalization platform i'm not sure if you're familiar with but um so they do like all of our on-site recommendations on the plps and 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 some other personalization pieces for us but what's really cool that they have is like this analytics tool on the back end where you can see uh, live carts and the potential value in carts, which is something above and beyond you get out of GA and it's all like color coded and cool. It's like, you know, this I don't know. It makes me feel important, but um, it's a really cool tool and and it's, um, I mean, I don't know that it makes me any more efficient, but it's, it's really useful and I really love Nostos analytics and I think is a great value add. Um, So uh, yeah, so there's those.
1: Cool. We'll take both of those, uh, and then the growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them?
2: Wow, um, that's tough because it's like you have to see what they're doing or not doing. Um,
1: so would you say it, it's you have to look at what's look at the analytics and the
2: data? Yeah, right. I mean, I think I think I, there's always. Kind of this is like it's like a huge mosvolvva question and, and because like I think like you know are you doing it are you doing it at a, at a proper cost are you doing it at the right margins because I mean just spending like if what if, if is it the right CPA like you know are you throwing good money after bad just to increase your growth so but I, mean, I guess for me is like what's more important to me is and I, I like I feel like I could go to any company and create a hockey stick right. Right. The hockey stick of growth, but it's like, okay, so is it, is it an efficient hockey stick? Are you getting, are you profitable? Are you making your, your good numbers? And then like more important than that is like, okay, after you've achieved that hockey stick, which is what I achieved in my first year at Industry West is like, yeah, there was a hockey stick of growth because we weren't doing like our email stunk and our, um, I had, I brought in a new company to like kind of burn down and and rebuild our SEM. But it then it's like, how do you create that sustained, growth or that expected growth. And um, so I don't know um, if you're doing a hundred, I guess if you're doing a hundred and you think you're doing enough to do a thousand and you're kind of not. So uh, I'd say um, we could all be, uh, I, I don't know. I think you just need to take a deep dive and maybe the right thing is to just kind of bring someone in to, to, to look at it for you and just, just talk to your peers and see around you like, what am I doing? Look at the companies that, you think are doing well and throw their URL into builtwith.com and see what they're running on, you know, see what their their tech stack is like and see what you can learn from them.
1: I love that. Builtwith.com has not does not get mentioned on this podcast enough. Um, <laughs> Ian, thank you so much for all your all your answers today and for being so candid about the things which are going on at the moment at Industry West and Favor. Um, would you like to let listeners know where they can find you and the business on the web and social media, please?
2: Yeah, of course. So, uh, we are industrywest.com, uh, and then favor is in favor com, and then all the, you know, applicable, uh, social media platforms. And then, you know, hopefully when all this passes, um, you know, we will reopen our, our, our flagship showroom. We are on Crosby street in Soho in New York city. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's where we are industrywest.com and in favor com.
1: Marvelous. Thank you, Ian. Thank you so much for being on the show and for being so generous with all you've shared. It's been greatly appreciated.
2: Yeah, thank you.
1: So many lessons there from our chat with Ian. Um, I think for me, I guess one of the ones I have to clear up is um, BuiltWith.com. That is a very cool website where you can go and plug in any URL and find out what tech they've got running on their website. So if you want to find out uh, what technology your competitors are using, it's it's very cool. Um, so that I would always say for me kind of sits alongside SimilarWeb, which is the website where you can go and put in. Uh, your competitors' URLs and your own and see how much traffic they get and where that traffic comes from and that kind of stuff. So for for traffic driving, similarweb.com. For um, tech stack, you want builtwith.com and both, uh, I'm 99% sure, both still give you quite a bit of data for free. So well worth checking out both of those. But, but back to what Ian was, was really talking about, in things which we can all learn is about kind of upping our our analysis schedules. So we're looking on daily basis, weekly basis, constantly looking at it. I know it's a little exhausting, but you've got to be adaptable and agile, as it were, in these times to make those decisions and to keep tweaking things. Um, I think the the sales site, their strategy around that, we didn't really get into it too much, but but what they what they've done is they've gone right. Sales are down. Because we sell to, because of the customer base we sell to, we're not anticipating them bouncing back anytime hugely soon. So we've got too much stock. We need to get rid of that stock. And rather than do a massive sale on their website, because we go to their website today as we're recording, um, you will find that there's no discount message on the Industry West homepage whatsoever. It's still solid, great brand content, great products. So what they've done is they've taken that stock they want to shift, they want to get the cash back from, and they've gone to a sale website. So one of the websites that does the massive discounts um, and they're selling it there in order to protect their brand and to protect their reputation, but they crashed that website. So (laughs) what they're now doing is creating on their tech stacks, they now have full control of it, a separate website where they will clear those lines but it's such a such a great way of creating cash from that product without damaging your brand is to go and shift it via another platform where people get those discounts because that's where you're going to find the most discount buyers it's where you're going to find buyers who aren't your your existing ones because Let's face it; they're not buying not just because of your prices, but they're not buying because now is not the right time. They don't need your product, so you need to kind of put it in front of a different audience. You could, of course, do that quite simply on an eBay on the eBay platform. There's also specialists in your probably in your industry space uh, for your product type and also uh, in your country. So have a look and see see what's there. See, see what kind of deals they're doing. I think quite a lot of them are quite busy at the moment, but it's a great way of clearing extra stock to get the cash back in the business. And so they've also kind of taken back their media spend, but they're investing in those more long-term marketing strategies and investing in, I guess, re-evaluating every piece of investment to make sure that what they're spending is being spent in the absolute perfect space each time. And that requires those frequent updates and those frequent checks. Now you can get your hands on all the notes from today's show, including those top tips um the links we mentioned, details of some related episodes by heading over to ecommercemasterplan dot forward slash podcast there you will also find an excellent article that um Ian had written on their the experience kind. Uh, come- touching on completely different things to what we talked about today, actually. So well worth going to have a read. That's on Medium um, and you can find the link in the show notes. Again, if you go to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, you will find a link to this show. Right then, if you liked this episode, then please do make sure you check out episode 286 with Greg Spillane from Fancy, because I think you'll really enjoy that one too. Thank you so much for tuning into this and every episode of the e-commerce masterplan podcast. I really appreciate it. And I bring you a new interview every week because I want to inspire and help as many e-commerce business owners as possible to succeed and thrive with their business. So please do tell the other e-commerce business owners you know, because I'd love to help them too. I hope you have a great week. Keep optimizing.
0: Thank you for listening to the Ecommerce Masterplan podcast. Find out more at eCommercemasterplan.com slash podcast.